This is the Sooner Sports Podcast. Your all-access pass to Sooner Sports. The Sooner Sports Podcast is presented by Allstate. Are you in good hands? And by Riverwind Resort. Riverwind Resort, the place to be. Now, here's your host, Chris Plank. Welcome to a first in Sooner Sports podcast history. Yeah. Maybe podcast history. You think, I, I, you know, we need to we need to call Guinness. Didn't uh, our buddy Dave Hunziker submit the Oklahoma State-Tulsa game as the longest broadcast in Guinness radio history? Or in, oh, is that right? I believe so. I didn't know that. We'll have, to, we'll have to ask John Holcomb the next time we chat with him. This is the first mobile. On what grounds? Like, how long was that broadcast? Uh, well, you remember that was the night whenever we played Florida State. Mm-hmm. And we and got home and they were still going. <laughs> they were still going. They didn't start till almost midnight. Uh, and they'd been on the air since, I think, at about four, maybe oh, five okay. in the afternoon. Well, then they've got a rightful claim. So we'll have to check with that. But this is uh, – we are on the road back from Iowa State. And, and typically our podcast will drop on Tuesday and Friday – um, but obviously, as maybe pulling back the curtain a little bit, we'll tape our Friday podcast, usually Thursday mid-afternoon. Uh, but this week, obviously, there was a game going on, so I thought, hey, why not just try to road trip back? So live from, I don't know, what are we on here? I-470 West? No, <laughs> yeah, 335 we're getting, South. We're getting, we're getting on 335 South in Topeka right now, heading uh, heading through Kansas. 34-24. The Flint Hills are straight ahead. Sooners get the W. We saw a sign we could hit Denver. It's 556 no. miles away. We have no desire to go to Denver. It'd be a longer drive. Uh, we've both done our radio shows now. Um, we've had it some a chance to kind of simmer in some of the reaction. And I don't know, Toby, I, did, I feel like you came away in this two-game stretch relatively healthy. Um, there's no added injuries from where they already were. And you went into a place that was noted to be kind of concerning on a non-Saturday, and you got to win. So, thumbs up, right? Yeah, I think so. Tricky spot uh, Thursday night against Iowa State. Um, you know, first, it's a Thursday night. Second, you're shorthanded on top of everybody who's hurt. And we found out before the game, Capri set was added to that list. You're without Joe Mixon because of the suspension. Obviously, no Samaje, and I won't list everybody who's hurt because – this is supposed to be a 20-minute or less podcast. <laughs> <laughs> so, shorthanded, short week, on the road, and you really have uh, the stretch in front of you that is going to determine your season. So, the overlook was in play. And Ted said this in our pregame show a Thursday night. There couldn't have been a better spot for Iowa State to catch Oklahoma. Uh Everything was kind of stacked, you know, primetime, Thursday night. That's kind of what Iowa State thrives and all these other circumstances. And so was it the best OU's played all year? No, but it's a 10-point road win, and uh, it was it was fine. Nothing really concerning coming out of that game. They gave yeah. up gave up a couple of uh, pass plays that I think they'd, they'd like to have back. But uh, uh, Dimitri Flowers was awesome. But the big picture, and we'll break down the game in a second, Big picture is you go into this two-game stretch, Kansas-Iowa State, and you wanted to get healthier and you wanted to feel better about your defense. And uh, we'll see about the healthy thing. I think they will. I think by the time these nine days are up before they play Baylor, they're going to get, you know, Mixon. That's not a health situation. Mixon back. Hopefully Samaje back. Maybe Matt Romar. Matt Diamond's headed in the right direction. 
I don't think the Capri Doucette thing is a major thing. Oboe's already back, so hopefully healthier. And I think you feel a little better about your defense. Um, the three points against Kansas, obviously encouraging. Thursday night, they were okay. They gave up right what Iowa State averages a game uh, offensively. So 24 points, not spectacular, but they were okay, especially in the second half. I thought they were pretty good. So, uh, yeah, I, I, here we go. There's unbeaten, three games to go. It's the three teams that are chasing you, and uh, it's right there in front of you to win a 10th conference title and see whether they can get it done. We'll know the Baylor start time by the time we – have our next podcast drop on Tuesday. That would be right after the Bob Stoops press conference. Do you have a hunch either way, 11 or 2.30 for next Saturday? Um, I guess if, if I was leaning, I'd say 2.30. I, I don't know that I have a real good read on television executives. I mean, you, you've <laughs> got to – we oversimplify that sometimes. We, we look at how important the game is and we say, well, then later in the day. And that's not necessarily how it works. I mean, TV's goal – Fox and ESPN separately, is to have a good game in all three time slots. Or four in the case of Fox because they have the late-night West Coast window sometimes. So they want to have a good game at 11, a good game in the middle of the day, and a good game at night. The best game at night. I mean, prime time usually is your best game. But they want to spread out and have good ratings all day long. So if OU Baylor or OU West Virginia or OU OSU is going to be a good game, it doesn't necessarily mean later. Uh, I think you could kind of maybe hedge that way, but sometimes they say good game. All right, we've already got one at 2.30. We've already got one at 7. Let's put this one at 11. That's no knock on how good the game is. Uh, you look around the country at who played at 11 or who is playing at 11 this week, big names. I mean, there's yeah. big names every week playing at 11. So, I don't know. I guess I would lean 55-45 to they'll play at 2.30, but I won't be surprised either way. Yeah, it, it was kind of funny because we were even chatting, and I I fall into that trap a lot as a fan, Toby, to where I say, well, they, they appreciate your game more if they put it in prime yeah. time. Or it's, but that, that couldn't be further from the truth anymore. No, and, not true. And, and, and maybe ever, honestly. Yeah, well, I think the prime time real estate is the best real estate to have, and they want the best <laughs> games there. But – the 11 o'clock games are very valuable to the networks, especially ESPN rolling right out of game day into an 11 a.m. kick if you're, on, if you're on the mothership, which with the Kansas State game this year was one of those. So uh, for Norman, for OU fans, I would definitely hope for 2.30 because the 11 a.m. kicks are really tough on everybody, the fans, the businesses, everybody. So I'm rooting for 2.30. Yeah, and I – and then the next week, I'm really rooting for a night in Morgantown, <laughs> selfishly. We'll have to talk more about that yeah. on uh, on Tuesday's podcast. I'm still in awe of what you're going to be able to pull off. Uh, but, yeah, I, I think that's a good way to look at it. That 11 a.m. block, it matters. I think as fans, we look at it and say, oh, but for these TV networks, executives, they, it seems to be a pretty big deal. Did we learn? I, here's what I, I learned. I always try to throw it on you and say, hey, so what'd you learn? And then I piggyback. So let me let me throw this and see if you agree. So you can slap me around a little okay. bit if you want. I thought we we learned a lot about the perseverance. Get your boxing gloves up because I'm about to slap you around. <laughs> the perseverance <laughs> of this team because, you know, give Coach Campbell credit in Iowa State. They knew where some of the weaknesses had been for Oklahoma. They threw some unique things out there in the way that they were shifting their yeah. alignments offensively. That? Uh, they went with the game plan that had worked in the past against Oklahoma defensively and coming after him. 
I thought Oklahoma did a good job, Toby, of adjusting. And even when things went south late in the first half and for a period there mid-fourth quarter, they never really panicked. Mm-hmm. They, they, you never really sensed any panic. The two, when they were up by a touchdown, they went right down, got a field goal, held on fourth down, won the game. Go back to the first half, Iowa State takes the lead. Boom, they get the big play. Then they get a couple of big runs, yeah. score again. Answered quickly. I, perseverance was kind of my buzzword for last night for this Oklahoma team. Yeah, I like that. I'm not going to slap you around for okay. that. I, 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 I like it. I think, uh, you know, Dimitri Flowers is the kind of the shining example of that um, with both P. Ryan and Mixon on the shelf and no Rodney Anderson and other guys have transferred and you've got a freshman running back and a fullback. And I don't know when the night started that they planned on using Dimitri that much. Probably not. I, I don't even know if they meant to move use him more than Abdul Adams. Maybe they did. I don't know. But it became obvious as the night went along that he was being effective. I think they trust Dimitri a lot and should. And uh, he ends up having an unbelievable night. A guy who's never had a career carry, 22 carries, over 100 yards, had him a touchdown catch. And, that, and he speaks to the perseverance, though, because you go in – extremely shorthanded at the running back position and you end up playing your full back there for 22 carries and it was great and uh same thing on the on the defensive side of the ball I I wasn't I don't think Mike Stoops would call it a great night because 24 points is not what they would like to keep them in the teens at the at the most but still um they did I did a good job adjusting to the confusion Iowa State was trying to cause it was a little weird because we're so used to opponents in this conference going as fast as they can. And that was not Iowa State's game plan. And I'll give them credit. I think it was a good game plan because when you play Oklahoma with as powerful as an offense of an offense as the Sooners have, you don't want them to have 100 plays. You don't want them to have a, more plays than you could possibly afford. So the way to do that is to slow it down yourself on offense. So they would milk clock formation adjustments, man, man in motion, that silly formation where they put five guys in a diamond and then they adjust three out and and just trying to confuse Oklahoma. And I think they did a few times, but the Sooners adjusted and kind of figured it out. And in the second half, it became really tough sledding for, for Iowa State. Yeah, they, that, that was a, a heck of a defensive run that Oklahoma had there. For a while, and then uh, Bob Stoops said in his post-game, listen, we came after him. We got caught in a blitz. Uh, they hit a pass and scored a touchdown on us, and, and, and then we answered. I, You know, it's, it's funny. We look at you, – you, you've said this a lot. We look at games differently than, say, Teddy and Coach do. And I find myself a lot of times really focusing on, say, a guy that might be a little bit more hap- hyped, like a Caleb Kelly. And I watched him, and I saw a guy that started to – really come into his own yeah. last night. So I don't know when when coaches look at tape if that same thing bears out. But based on what Teddy was saying during the broadcast last night, Toby, and based on what I was seeing with my naked eye, it really seemed like it was a solid performance for the Sooner five-star freshman. Uh, you know, the easy way for me to judge whether a guy had a really good or really bad night is how many times do you remember saying his name <laughs> as the night went along? And for, for a linebacker or a defensive lineman, that usually means they played really well. 
And uh, we said Caleb Kelly's name all night long. From the opening snap all night long, he was in, you know, if not making the tackle, he got a sack. He almost got a safety with that hit at the one-yard line. There was a couple of plays where he broke up the play and somebody else got the tackle. But he seems to have a knack of just kind of wrecking a play, uh, being in the middle of things. Now, for a defensive back, if you say their name a lot, that usually isn't <laughs> a good thing. But, uh, you know, you think back to last night. All right, who had a good game? Well, Caleb Kelly said his name a ton. Yep. Didn't say Jordan Evans' name much. I don't know. Maybe the, maybe the film would grade out that he played better, but I, we didn't say his name a, a whole lot. Manuel Beal, not a whole lot either. But Caleb Kelly, he was in the middle of everything last night. So he, he's going to be a talent. It was always for him about just mentally understanding everything. And that's a really hard position. What they're asking guys to do in this defense to learn. And I don't care if you're a five-star kid or a two-star kid. If you've got all the talent in the world, but you're in the wrong place, you're just begging to give up huge plays. And as soon as it all clicks for him mentally, and I think you're right, I think it's happening. He's going to be on the field and not going to come off yeah. for as long as he wants to be in Oklahoma sooner. I like him, too, in the post game. I mean, I just sharp. I like talking to him. Yeah. He's a sharp kid. I didn't realize he had family from Iowa. Uh, what was cool. what do you say? 25 family members that were there How last night. Yeah. And so, That's cool. Yeah, and you know what? This was the other thing. Because it was right below your broadcast location, there's always a good group of Sooner fans at, mm -hmm. at Iowa State. I mean – the Farniak brothers, obviously, for a while, you know, had had a lot of family there. But I was there was a point in the fourth quarter I kind of turned around and thought, wow, you know, we we had quite a few fans there last night. What, do you like Jack Trice Stadium? I do. I like. I'm the one person on the planet that likes going to Ames. I like, no, I I was thinking about it. I'm with you. Uh, you need to go you. to a basketball game, and then uh, you'd really love it. I we did a women's game there together once, but that's right. That's yeah. right. Here's what I love about it. Their fans are passionate. Yeah. And certainly at a, at a men's basketball game, it's off the charts. I, they have one of the best environments in the country. Football last night was probably the weakest environment we've seen of our road trips to Iowa State. You, you described it well. South of electric. South of electric. <laughs> um, was it sold out? I don't know what the attendance was. I would guess 45,000. It seats about 60. Could have been a couple of reasons for that. A Thursday night could be hard for people, like, you know, getting off work if they're in Des Moines or whatever to get up to the game. The whole state is a little somber right now because of oh. the tragedy that took place uh, this week. So I don't know if that affected anything or not. But anyway, their, their fans are extremely passionate. And when you look at, let's say, the programs at the bottom of conferences, I think you would you would say Iowa State is one of the – programs at the bottom of the Big 12 Conference. And no disrespect. I'm not trying to diss. I'm just saying we've had this conference conversation a lot. Yep. But if you match them up against the other programs that you would say are similar to that at the bottom of the SEC Conference or ACC or Big 10 or Pac-12, I'm talking about uh, Rutgers or Vanderbilt or Washington State or I'm going to get some angry emails over <laughs> this. But <laughs> Iowa State, you know, the passion of their fans doesn't fit with those other programs. Now, you look at Kansas City for the Big 12 tournament. I mean, that place turns into, uh, you know, they call it Ames South. So uh, Hilton South, they call it, or Hilton Coliseum. Uh, 
Uh, so that's what I like about it. I mean, their facilities are nicer than people realize if you've never been up there. And their fans are really into it. They're pretty, you know, they're nice people. So uh, I kind of enjoy it. There's not a lot to look at other than cornfields. But, I don't know, it's kind of quaint. I, I don't mind it. I dig it. And I don't know what it is. I, I dig the campus. I like coming up. I've been – this was my – let's see, if you include football, and this was our third football trip, this – then was my fifth total trip. I've done two softball series here. I came uh, two years ago when Lauren Chamberlain made her run, and we came up and we did the Iowa State series, and I drove through the night to get here from Tulsa. Oh. Le- left Tulsa at like 11 p.m. because of responsibility I had in town and drove through the night to get here. And then I came up with softball this year, and we battled the elements, got rained out. Uh, one day as well too, and there, like, there's not a ton, but it's to me it kind of adds to when you're doing an event. Now, it's probably as far as softball fields, the least awe-inspiring softball complex yeah. uh, in the Big Twelve. But yet, there's always a passionate group of fans that are there, and I just I dig Jack Tri Stadium, man. I, I I will be very interested to see how this progression under Coach Campbell goes. I know Bob Stoops spoke incredibly highly about him last night, and I thought one of the maybe lesser talked about storylines was the real show of sportsmanship late in that game whenever Oklahoma could have scored another touchdown, probably rather easily if they wanted to, but they took a knee and ended the game right there. I thought, you know, I, there's a lot of mutual respect, I think, between these two staffs too. It's happened a dozen times since, you know, in the six years we've been calling yep. games where Oklahoma's got a chance to tack one on late for beauty points and and Bob just decides to take a knee. And I think it's just one example of why he is so widely respected uh, among his fellow coaches. And, uh, you know, he's a class act. What What's your least favorite road destination in the Big 12? Ooh, um, this is tough because I really enjoy travel. Yeah, I'm with you. This, so not, there's so anytime I can get out, if I can take the family, let's see. Uh, like Morgantown's fun if oh, you can Morgantown. get there. Yeah, it's fun, but getting there is hard. Morgantown getting there is hard. I I kind of dig Manhattan because of of where we stay. Even though the last time we got there, we didn't get there till about two in the morning mm-hmm. because of the plane delays. Um, but I've always liked Manhattan. But I, I would probably say Lawrence, just because there's not a lot of atmosphere there. But when, you're just talking football. I'm just talking. Yeah, f- yeah okay. I'm just talking football. Uh, and and I dig Ames, and I've always Stillwater. I guess maybe Stillwater could be up there because it's not like we really get to spend a night in. We're the never town. in Stillwater. Yeah, so we just go in for the game and leave. We have no idea what Stillwater. So that's like. kind of unfair, a little bit to say as well, too, because yeah, we we drive over on game day. And then we drive back. Right. <laughs> you know, it's not like you're immersing yourself in there. Uh, let's see. What am I? Who am I? Waco's cool. I dig Waco. That would be last on my list. Oh, really? Yeah. And and for me, it's all about the just the game atmosphere. And uh, because I'm not a guy who like judges a town based on the cool places to hang out. Ah. You know me. I'm not. What you're I'm not, not guy. Hanging, yeah. I'm not hanging out. But I'm going to the hotel your, and working. All of your HGTV there. shows, though, isn't there that? Uh, I do like Magnolia. Yes, <laughs> I do like. Uh, we, <laughs> my, my wife has dropped plenty of dollars there. <laughs> but you know, the basketball environment's not much. Uh, getting you know, getting through Texas is always a pain in the in the rear. So it would probably rank last, but I don't really mind that. So I, I'm 
I'm with you. I'm pretty easy to get along with. You know, uh, kind of the, the the sneaky one that I've enjoyed has been Lubbock. And, Agreed. And, and it's just because I, I've been there quite a bit. I've done – well, the, the baseball is really – if you're a Sooner Great fan, you need, you need to get down for a baseball game yeah. in Lubbock. But, yeah, it was uh, – I dig games, and I always have appreciated the fans that make the trek. It's not, I mean, we're in the middle of it right now. It's it's a long drive, but it's not a hard drive. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not like, oh, geez, we've got to take uh, exit 142B, and then as soon as we take that, we've got to circle back around. It's a relatively easy trip. But, yeah, I think uh, – I think all – you know what? I would challenge myself, or if I was a fan, to try to make at least one road trip in the Big 12. I think I think all of them are Try to hit every destination once. Yeah. yeah. And several – I mean, most of them are drivable as well, too, outside of mm-hmm. West Virginia. Now, speaking of that – uh, final thought here before we, we kind of wrap up and get back to being safe on the road here. Expectations for this week. It's a little bit of a different week for you just on the personal side because you got a basketball game yeah, on Tuesday basketball night. season starts this so, week. So uh, I'm filling in for you on the huddle on That's Tuesday right. night. Chad McKee's got Coach Stoops, and then you're going to be calling basketball. And then we get set for a game that, honestly, I didn't know what to expect in the preseason. I kind of thought Baylor might struggle a little bit more than they have. But, again, what do we really know about them right now? You know, um, they beat Oklahoma State at home, but, you know, got some breaks there late to do that. Uh, Almost lost to Iowa State and Ames, maybe should have, and uh, and did lose to Texas uh, on the road. So I I don't know. You know, it'll be interesting to see what they do against TCU. That's a home game Saturday, and you would think, a win. TCU looks like they're really struggling right now. So uh, a win and maybe a, a comfortable win. If it's not, you know, if that's, a, if that's a tight game or certainly if they lose it, that's real warning signs, I think, for Baylor. Um, that maybe, you know, the early season was propped up by some not very tough scheduling. And maybe they aren't, you know, what we thought they were. But that being said, they got a quarterback who can really throw the ball, and they got some receivers that can really go get it. KD Cannon at the top of that list. And that has been a formula that has been really tough for Oklahoma's defense this year. So uh, I, I bet we're in for a doozy next Saturday. I think it's history. It's the first ever podcast, not about a car or driving, it's actually about college football while we're driving. Because you would think, I mean, I'm sure there's like car podcast out there where right. they're driving the car and they're talking about how smell I mean we could talk about this car. It's interesting. I mean, this, this Patriot car. Ford Expedition, Ford Expedition. Unbelievable. Mm-hmm. But Thanks yeah, to I our buddies at Patriot Ford. I think we've made history here today. All right, Toby, we'll see you back on uh, Tuesday morning with the game plan. Uh be safe please. You need any sunflower seeds or anything? <laughs> I think I'm I think I've got my almonds right here, okay. so I think I'm All good right. to go. Thanks, Everyone buddy. have a great Saturday off and we'll be back on uh, Monday morning with the Monday morning refresher until then. Boomer sooner everybody. This has been the Sooner Sports Podcast. Make sure to get all the latest episodes online right now at Soonersports.tv slash podcast. And make sure to follow us on Twitter at OU on the air.